The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If you would, uh, take your Bibles with me, open to Acts, and we'll begin there, Acts chapter 5, actually. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 42, we read, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have this morning. I pray that you would help me to, to say those things that are, that are helpful and that glorify you. Bless those that are here. Bless our time around your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is the last lesson in this series that I have been preaching on the Christian life. I started this in May of 2015. So this has been a long series. Now, I haven't taught every Sunday. It's every other Sunday at best. And sometimes I go three or four weeks before I teach another lesson. But this is the final lesson. And... uh, I've been doing this, this series for so long, I'm not sure where I'm going next. But uh, we'll, we'll find out in a few weeks. But we're, we're, we're cl- cl- concluding this with a study on the church itself. And we're, we've been talking about the model church, which, of course, is the church in Jerusalem, the very first church. Uh, you understand, when, when, man, when man develops something, it's at its best at the beginning. Because as it progresses, it, it, it begins to get worse and worse. And so the, the, probably the best church ever seen by man on earth was the church in Jerusalem. And so if we're going to model our church, that's where we need to go. We need to go back to the beginning and model our church after that first church. And we've seen a few things already. First, we said it was a united church. Uh, they were united in, 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 their, in their beliefs. They were united in their purpose in their mission, all these things. Secondly, we saw it was a praying church. And that's the section we just completed, uh, talking about a praying church, that they they continued in prayer, they didn't cease praying, that they uh, were in one accord in prayer, they were in agreement with things doctrinally, and and they prayed according to doctrine and according to truth, and and for those things which which benefited the, the work of the church. And then we looked at some qualifications of prayer. We gave you eight qualifications for prayer, and I won't, I won't belabor those again. So this church in Jerusalem was united, it was praying. But then lastly, today I want to look at number three, and that is it was a serving church. The church in Jerusalem was a serving church. We just read a moment ago from Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Uh, this church of Jerusalem was an active church. Daily, it says. Every day. They were actively involved in ministering to the members of the church. Uh, Luke says in verse 42, daily. He says, in every house. Ceased not to teach and preach these are all words denoting action. 
or we could say service. Now, when one speaks of serving God, much debate arises in our Christian society today. What exactly does serving God encompass? Uh, By definition, in the context that we are discussing from Scripture this morning, service implies that you devote in whole or in part one's life or efforts to, as of countries, institutions, or ideas. So it means to devote yourself to this purpose. So if we are going to serve God by, by this definition, then it doesn't simply mean doing a task. Some people will say, okay, well, you'll ask them, do you serve the Lord? Yes, I serve God. I'm an usher. Yes, I sing in the choir. Yes, I, I, I mow the lawn every Saturday. Yes, I, 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 I clean the baptistry tank. Some people will say, yes, I serve the Lord. I work as a sound man. I, 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 um, I teach a Sunday school class. I serve the Lord. Yes. Great. We, we do those things. And, and let me say this. It's, it's wonderful that we do. But to serve here in the context of what we're talking about means to devote yourself constantly to a purpose. So to serve God then would imply that we're to pray every day, as often during the day as, as we need to, that we will... Um, Conduct ourselves, our lives, in a way that honors and glorifies the Father. It implies that we consistently help one another, that we consistently love one another, pray for one another. These things are the things that denote serving God. So when we say, when someone asks you, do you serve the Lord?, Listen, we're not talking about a three-hour block of time on Sunday or on a Saturday afternoon. We're talking about all day, every day, do we serve the Lord. Now, that's what this church in Jerusalem was. I mean, the Scripture tells us daily, and in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They, they, were, they were constantly... Constantly involved, their lives was devoted to, to God and, 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 and to his glorification. I love that, that definition, to devote one's life. I grow very weary as I age uh, of those quote-unquote believers in America who come to church on Sunday morning and believe that they have fulfilled their Christian obligation uh, to the Lord simply by being in church. The average Christian in America believes that simply by coming to church, they're serving God. And certainly, I, I do not want to belittle church attendance. That's, that's very important. It's primary in our life. It, should be, it shouldn't even be a debate. Amen? At least on Sunday, it shouldn't even be a debate that we come to church. That's the Lord's day. It's his. It belongs to him. We shouldn't plan anything on on the Lord's day. We shouldn't conduct ourselves to do anything 
on the Lord's Day, other than worship and glorify the Father. Some come to church once a month, and when they do, they act as though they did God a a tremendous favor. They walk in through the back. Sometimes the ushers say, hi, is this your first time here? Brother Lou would do that every now and then just to needle them, I think. But they never make a commitment to the church. The pastor sometimes will stand behind the pulpit and say, uh, we need some people to help out with this. And you, I can hear the crickets outside. And, uh, and now I've got off teaching. I'm on to preaching. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll back off on that. But they don't make a commitment. They take, but they never give. They come, but they never go. They enjoy, but they never labor. And this is, this is a sad testimony of churches in America. It's, it's the state of the way things are. It's, it's one of the primary reasons that there are so many parachurch organizations. Have you ever wondered about that? Why are there so many parachurch organizations? Why are there so many groups out there pulling from the church rather than being a part of the church and, and laboring? Well, that's exactly why. People in the church don't want to labor. They just want to come and be fed and, and, and just sit back and do nothing. And that's a problem. As long as, it is, as long as it's convenient, they'll participate. But when the effort is required, they absence themselves. And this is the plight of churches in America. Now, I'm thankful. I, I can thankfully stand here and say this is not the attitude at Berean. Uh, I, I understand and appreciate that. We've always had our members of the church have always been active in the work of the church and, and active in, in participating with the many ministries that we have. But let me just say that the work of God cannot be done and is not done by people who absence themselves from the church. Now, I've been in the ministry almost 37 years. And in that time, I've, I've worked with and mentored and trained a, many, many, many Christian workers. And over the years, when the pastors have come to me and said, Brother Dalton, we need someone to do this. Can you help us find someone? You know who I look to? I look to this group. Sunday school, or I used to look to the Wednesday night crowd, because those are the people that are going to serve. So don't, don't be a Christian who, we don't, we don't want to be a Christian who's not available. One of, my, one of my biggest weaknesses is to use the word no. When, when someone asks me to do something, I have a hard time saying no. And, and that should be the attitude of every believer when it comes to the work in the church. Uh, if there's a need, fill it. If you don't know how to do it, learn. Learn how to do it. I've had people have told me, well, I don't know how to teach a Sunday school class. Well, we can help you with that. We can teach you. Well, I don't know how to sing. We'll help you with that. Just get up in the choir and Brother Gary will teach you how to sing. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not, per, I'm not, I don't have an outgoing personality, so I'm not sure I could be an usher. 
Uh, well, we'll lock you in a room with Lou, and I guarantee you, you'll come out and you'll have a personality. Do you understand? God doesn't, listen, God is not looking for people who know how to do what he needs them to do. Do you understand that? God doesn't need you to know anything other than this, that he is Lord. That's all you need to know. And if you know that God is Lord, then you're qualified to serve him in the local church. So get busy and do something. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes this, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So, so here it is. Paul has got all these people abandoning him. They're all, they're all leaving the mission field and leaving him to, alone. He writes in verse 11, only Luke is with me. And then he writes, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And we talked about this in a lesson I taught recently, how that even though uh, Mark had, had, had abandoned Paul and he, he, he didn't want to take him back. Mark labored and, and proved himself um, to, be, to be worthy of Paul's trust. So Paul wants him back now. And, and that's, just a, that's just a wonderful lesson. And God, God is never done with you yet. Just confess your faults, uh, repent, and get busy and serve the Lord. But With the time that I have this morning, I'd like to examine uh, some of the facets of service uh, in the local church and and our attitude toward them. So let me share some thoughts with you. First, letter A, we are to serve eagerly. We are to serve eagerly. Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. And he, let's turn there, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Verse 6, just a couple pages over. Now this, we see here in Acts chapter 9, Paul, who is at that time Saul of Tarsus, is making his way um, to Damascus with letters of Mark, which, and, which means ba- basically arrest letters. And he is going to Damascus to find Christians, those who believe and, and preach in Jesus Christ, and he's not going there to give them a certificate. He's going there to arrest them and put them into prison and possibly even to death. So he's on his way to the road to Damascus, and on the way there, he encounters someone. Who does he encounter? The Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is blinded by the presence of the Lord And he is wonderfully and beautifully converted on that road. Now, after his salvation, in verse 6, let's look at that together. We read here, and he, he being Paul, and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The very first thing Paul said after his salvation was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, this is the way to begin serving God. With enthusiasm and eagerness. Just be, 
Just be eager about your opportunities to serve the Lord. When my friend Mike, Michael Alpha, back in Louisiana, when he started witnessing to me, one of the reasons I really resisted getting involved with anything was because I, I knew myself and I knew that it was if if I if I got involved in this, that it would really, really take a commitment. Because I don't I don't just get involved in something too too lightly. So I resisted for quite a while. But we need to we need to be eager in in our opportunity. When you come to church on Sunday morning, you should look for opportunities to do something to serve the Lord. When you, drive, when you go to work tomorrow morning, if you are going to work tomorrow morning, you should look for opportunities at work to do something to honor and glorify God. Whatever it is, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it half-heartedly. Is that what the Bible says? Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, if it's Sunday, do it well. No. It's whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it to the best that you can do it. I got, I got off the trail, but I got to get back on. What's the best way to get into a pool? Can anyone tell me? What's the best way to enter a pool? Dive in. That's right. I go over, when I go to a pool and go swimming with my grandkids, we, we went swimming at Disneyland. I went right to the deep end of the pool and I jumped right in. Noah was over on that side and he was putting his toe in. And he was looking at me and shaking. So I swam over there and I just took a bunch of water and I threw it up on him. And then he was okay. He jumped right in after that. The best way to get in a pool is just dive in. And the best way to get into the Lord's service is just to dive in. Like I said earlier, don't, don't try to pre-qualify yourself. Of all the people in the world that should be standing behind a pulpit like this, teaching the Bible, it's not me. It's not me. I was such an introverted child that when family came over to visit, I would go hide in the bathroom. I'm serious. I would go in the bathroom and I'd close the door and I'd sit there and just hide there because I, I was afraid to be around people. I was very shy. And over the years, the Lord has taken that away from me. And now if I walk into a room full of people I've never seen. Probably the first thing I'll do is tell a joke. That's probably the first thing I'll do is tell a joke, get everybody laughing, everybody comfortable and relaxed, and then it's, we can go on. But just dive in. Don't be afraid. We should be eager to serve God. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, we read, Also, I heard the voice, voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. And we need to be eager uh, to serve the Lord. It's not so difficult to find people to serve 
in the more prominent ministries. However, it is very difficult to find those who are willing to help in the less important tasks. But we must remember that God, with God, all things are equal. So we have to, we have to be eager and willing to serve the Lord. And, and we need to, we need to not be worried about the prominence involved. Some people, uh, some people want recognition. Some people desire to be, to be seen and, and desire for, for the accolades of men. But Paul warns us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's turn there. We've got a couple of minutes. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and look at verse 12. And here we read, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Paul tells us there, we're not, we're not to commend ourselves. We're not to... We're not to try to elicit the praise of men. Listen, I don't want the praise of men. Amen? I desire, I desire to please my Lord. That's all I need. If I know that I'm pleasing God, then I'm content within my heart. I don't need the accolades of men. And, and, and that's the attitude of a good servant. A good servant's attitude is to glorify his his master, not to draw attention to himself. In fact, the best servant is the one who serves in, in the shadows and does those things that promote his master without drawing attention to himself. That is the best servant. And there are many just like that in this room. And I, I thank you. And I, I, I appreciate you for what you do. So we are to serve Eagerly, but then secondly, letter B, we're to serve sincerely. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, Joshua writes, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now, you don't have to have a degree in theology to understand what Joshua is saying. To be sincere is the quality of being open and truthful, not deceitful or hypocritical. So we need, to, we need to conduct ourselves in such a way that our service to God is sincere. That's, that's exactly what that means. That's what's, being, that's what's being said here by Joshua. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Make sure your walk matches your talk. Make sure that what you do, and, and not, what you, not what you do as you're being seen of men. Make sure that what you do when no one sees you. One of the most difficult things I, I had to learn as a child was... I had to learn how to behave away from my parents the same way they expected me to behave with my parents. Hmm? That's difficult, isn't it? 
Because when you're away from your authority, your flesh and your mind says, hey, they're not here. They can't see. Let's do what we want to do. When I was a boy, my daddy wouldn't let, my daddy wouldn't let me go play with my, at other kids' houses. And the reason is he knew there was little to no discipline in those homes. And he didn't want me get, developing the habit of doing things I shouldn't do. So he wouldn't let me go. All my friends would say, hey, let's get together at the park and play ball. Yeah, I'd say, hey, Dad, can I go? He'd say, no. You want to play ball? we got a big backyard. Invite your friends over. You can play here. So one day, I finally talked him into letting me go play ball at one of my friend's houses. And it was a house that you could see their home. I lived in a rural area, so houses were way far apart. But we could actually see this neighbor's house from the kitchen window. So Dad said, yeah, you can go over there. You can play ball, but do not leave that yard for any reason. Do not leave that yard unless it's to come home. Understand? I said, yes, sir. Well, we're playing ball. Someone hits the ball across the road out into the field. I'm the outfielder, and they said, hey, Dalton, go get the ball. I said, okay. And I ran, and I jumped the ditch. I crossed the road. I jumped the other ditch, ran out to the field, grabbed the ball, come back running, jumped the ditch, and I heard brakes. And I looked up, and guess who it was? It was Dad. He just looked at me. I threw the ball. I said, see you later, guys. <laughs> Got in the truck and went home. He didn't ask me why was I out of the yard. He didn't, he didn't want to know. I just broke the rule. And he made me pay the price. I was 21 before I ever left the yard again. No, I wasn't. But we need to be, our lives need to be conducted in a sincere manner. Do you understand one of the things, the beauties about the Bible is God is not preaching to your outer man. He's preaching to your inner man. He's God is talking to that heart that no one sees, that only he sees. Yes, it's important that our external life be right with God, but it's even more important that our internal life be right with God. That's where our sincerity should be, in the heart. We should open our eyes, awaken every day with a heart's desire to sincerely serve the Lord throughout the day with our life. That's, the, that's what motivated the people in Jerusalem to daily in the temple and in every house preach and teach the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, anybody can put on a suit or a nice dress, walk through the door of a church and sit in a pew and sing a song, and say amen, and, and be cordial and shake your hand and and, and, and can present themselves. Anybody can do that. Anyone. And Jesus spoke about this to the Pharisees when he said, Outwardly you appear to be whited sepulchers, but inwardly you're filled with dead men's bones and all uncleanness. I'm trying to teach to that inner man this morning. Are you sincere in your service 
to God. Young people in this room, are you sincere in your love and service and, and the way you conduct your life? Are you sincere to the Lord? Husbands, are you sincere in your heart, in your home, and, and before your family? Wives, are you sincere in your heart, in your innermost self, to all the things you do? Are you sincere in, in your love for God? Because if you're not, then you're not serving the Lord. Oh, you might be doing things, but you're not serving God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we serve him sincerely, and I have to hurry because I only have five more minutes. But I do have a statement on your sheet I need to read. And that statement is this. When you come to the place that God is all you have, you will find that God is all you need. Some of you in this room are, are too young to have reached that point yet, where God is all you have. Some of you, you're there. All you, all you have in your life is God. You, you're not rich. You're not famous. You may be alone. And God's all you got. He's all you have. But you know what? He's all you need. He's all you need. But then, let me move on. Thirdly, let us see. We are to serve expectantly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Let's turn there. We've been turning to all of these, so let me, let me keep us going. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor in the, is not in vain in the Lord. You know, I have an old Bible one of my first Bibles, and next to this verse, I wrote this word. Tree. Tree. There's an old oak tree about a mile and a half from my father's house. That tree, back, as far back as I can remember, that tree was there. It's still there today. It's a live oak tree. Quite possibly, that tree stood on this earth when the Lord was here. It's a very, very, very old tree. The, the base of that tree is about 12 foot in diameter. An oak tree. The, the, the canopy, the umbrella of that tree, is about 30 feet. It's huge. Up and it stands way tall into the air. The root system probably goes hundreds of feet down and spreads out. An oak tree, the roots are as wide as the branches are. And along the ground, you can see a root come up every now and then. And it's a massive tree. Birds live in that tree. Squirrels live in that tree. Raccoons live in that tree. 
Everything lives in that tree. It's like the Bible says in Psalm 1, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree. When I read this verse years ago, I wrote that word tree next to that because Paul says that we are to be unmovable. Now, in order to be unmovable, you have to be learned in the Scriptures. And if you study the Word of God, then you will find that we are to live how? Expectantly. We're to expect God's to, to work and act in our lives. When we pray, we're to expect an answer to that prayer. It might not be yes, might be no, but that's still an answer, isn't it? We are to live our lives expectantly. He that goeth forth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We're to expect that when we, when we labor, we're to expect that when we, when we live our life to glorify God, we are to expect results in that life. Not always what we may want. But we, we need to be understanding that God will always give us, always, what we need. Maybe we need trouble. Maybe we need heartache. Maybe we need disappointment. So we're to live expectantly. I don't have time to read the rest of the scriptures I put on your study sheet. I encourage you to read them later. These all... These all talk about the expectancy with which we are to conduct our lives and serve the Lord. So I'm going to close now. It's it's time for me to dismiss. Uh, I've enjoyed this series of lessons on the Christian life. I hope you have, and uh, I hope they've been a blessing to you. We're going to. My my thought is my next series is going to be on the apostles. I'm going to. We're going to examine the life of each apostle, look at their strengths and look at their weaknesses and see what we can glean from them as an example. Paul said, you have us for examples, so we should use those examples, and we should follow. All right, folks, thank you for being here today. I think I went a moment or two over. You can see how sad I am, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.